Lundquist, Rivals.com, my former uh, colleague of uh, the Dallas Morning News, actually the Arlington Morning News. We kind of did it all back in the day. And uh, we occasionally, uh, well, we, we, we may have blown a deadline or two. We were both pretty good on deadline. And uh, uh, Kevin, uh, boy, I hope you're not at the gym. I hear stuff in the background. I fear, I fear I am, you're going to be. In, but I, uh, I am. In fact, you got me out of my ad, so I'm about to do those after we finish. But I moved into a corner so you could, uh, so the noise would be muffled. <laughs> that one day you kept going, and I could hear some huffing and puffing. I, but I know what you're thinking. It's like, mostly, if you want me out of the gym, you just, you know, you could uh, send me a check every week. I get that. I get that. Um, I'm hoping to do that uh, very soon. It is uh, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN, Central Texas, Kevin Longquist joining us now. And, uh, boy, Kevin, what a what a miserable scene that is. Um, the Raiders have had to blow out their head coach. We've been talking about that. Isn't yeah. that a strange, strange deal? Of course, as I said early on today, the Washington football team can ruin anything. I mean, think about that. They It's some kind of random investigation where we know Snyder's going to end up skating on this thing. But because mm-hmm. this guy was having uh, off-color and, 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 and making bad jokes and racist jokes and stuff, to Bruce Allen, who the son of George Allen, uh, and George Allen was using his company email, uh, wow. Gruden's gone. Gruden will probably never coach again in the NFL. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll coach in college. I don't know what he'll do. I don't even know if they'll put him on TV in the future. But his career is over. It is a good lesson, uh, what I was kind of saying earlier, Kevin, to all of us. Watch what you – and I'm not saying a lot of us are out there making off-color jokes, but, you know, even if, you, even if you're, like, mad at your boss or something, watch what you put in emails and text messages. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife has a very good statement because uh, she's in the education industry, and it's just like if you don't say it, they can't repeat it, and that's and it's whether it's visual or verbal. And, yeah, it's a hard lesson. You know, the kind of thing that I thought about when this whole thing went down last night on John Gruden is it kind of reminded me of the uh, end for Art Bryles. Obviously, two different types of things, but in terms of the fiery end and the, if you will, the persona non grata persona that, uh, Art took on because he just wasn't touchable in any in any industry except going to, to East Texas to coach in high school years later. And you know, if John wants to coach again, it's going to have to be several years down the road when this fire uh, has all died down, and if someone is willing to take a chance with him. And that could be just whether he's an analyst for some small school or whatnot. I mean, obviously, you know, for him, it's a very painful lesson, and it's just a reminder that. You know, if you have opinions about whatever it is, um, you either keep them to yourself or you don't or or you choose your, your company that you keep. And obviously doing what he did was absolutely inexcusable. And it happened over a long period of time. It would be one thing if yeah. you go, OK, he, this thing, he made this remark, but it seemed like it happened over seven or eight years. But uh, yeah, anyway, sure. all yeah, those old sayings sure. our parents taught us, like, you know, yeah. You know, what you say in the dark will come out to light, all those things. And by the way, if that happened, all of us could be in trouble at times in our lives. Let's not act like yeah. we're all like proud of every single decision we've made in life. So I don't I don't no. want to come across as Mr. Sunday School here, even though I do enjoy teaching Sunday school from time to time. All right, it's um <laughs> Mosley and Longquist. Um 
we like to get sometimes get together in the press box and compare notes and do that. I think Kevin sometimes would wish I would stay in my seat so he could really focus on the game. But uh, I just Kevin, that was you a, went in the second half. That's all I all I wanted to know. Well, no, at halftime I did go hang out with the Sartans in a suite, uh, oh, okay. uh, Jim and Debbie okay. Sarton. But now I got back there, you know, some, about halfway through the third quarter. I do roam oh, okay. around mainly wherever yes, they do. have iced tea. <laughs> they don't have iced tea in the press box, so I have to go find well, iced tea. Yeah, yeah, and I like to find, uh, you know, shrimp. They have some uh, shrimp on that uh, suite level. I'll go check that out every once in a while. But uh, the, the Sartans had invited me. I don't want the Baylor people. They'll turn me in. Mosley. <laughs> Mosley was on an area he wasn't supposed to. The Sarton family invited my parents and my and, and their son to drop by, so I was very legal to be down there. Um, yes, sir. Okay, what I, I I'm curious what you I mean. Let's start with defense. I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing, uh, and, and I want to kind of let you decide where you want to go with this. I, uh, Ika's uh, Apu Ika is starting to show up. Cole Maxwell has been showing up. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Randolph uh, has been showing up. Um, number ninety. I mean, I mean, you you got Franklin. Franklin yeah. yeah, yeah. You yeah. got Frank. Franklin's been showing up. How much of of that performance the other day was was just anchored by the way that line was playing in in your estimation? Well, I think it had a lot to do with it, Matt. But I also think too, just the return of Terrell Bernard uh, on Saturday, I think was a big lift and. I think when he got that early sack in the game of Jared Dougie, Deggie, excuse me, I, I think that really kind of set the tone, not only for him, but for the rest of the way the whole unit played. There was some energy, and it, to me, I thought it was the best that Terrell had played for whatever reason. You know, he was obviously, you know, I think he was still a little bit gun shy about the way his shoulder was after the season-ending injury at Iowa State last year, and of course, then he has the knee issue. Uh, against Iowa State last year, so there's some symmetry to that. But I also think, too, just the way he came back, I thought he moved so much better. He was more explosive. If you notice on the tackle chart, he led them in tackles with nine. But I just think that sack really set the tone for the whole day for them. And then you see the depth. You know, Gabe Hall gets the start. Um, he's been kind of like the, the guy that everyone wants to know, can he ever get it together and, and really deliver something because of his injury issue? And he played okay. Um, and then you look at guys like, as you mentioned, Garmin Randolph. Uh, that Jack position has suddenly become uh, flushed with uh, with uh, options there, with with Matt Jones, Ashton Logan, and then Garmin. And then you can do different things with Garmin because the fact that you can put him at a defensive end if you want to because he's six seven, or you can drop him back in the coverage because he moves so laterally. And then you're developing more depth in your secondary. We've seen Al Walcott, the way he performed against Iowa State, and he's been getting on a good roll here lately. And the fact that even though Kalen Barnes came back and was limited in the snaps, it was good just to see him get back there. I thought uh, Christian Morgan played really well. He had a great uh, PBU uh, in the red zone, the first opportunity where yeah. West Virginia had to settle for a field goal in the middle of the in the middle of the second quarter. Things like that. When you, when it, when your when your secondary is physical, like Baylor's secondary was physical with West Virginia's wide receivers, that can set a tone for the way that you play not only in that game, but it can set a tone for the way you play for the balance of the season. So everyone should feel pretty good about the way this unit is uh, playing. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I I would agree with that. And, man, some of these guys that are emerging, you know, I'm, I was early on that Al Walcott thing, and I'm glad right. Walcott's showing up all over the two deep now. You know, I don't even think he was on the two deep for a little while. 
even after he was uh, – and we got to talk to our buddy, you know, the other day was asking about uh, the two deep. Somebody was you – know, we, you and I both know what those two deeps are worth, although you love posting the two deep, even though you know <laughs> what those things hey, are worth, which is nothing, eye- and you still right, publish those things. Right, but they're eye candy because people want to see it. I mean, they don't – it doesn't I know. matter if they, look, if they look the same from the opener to Texas State to if they look the same – Going into BYU this coming Saturday, people want to see what it looks like, and there's just okay. that attraction to it. So, what they want, Matt. Actually, I, though, I will say that this this too deep though actually looked a little bit different going into BYU than what we've seen in previous weeks. I'll say that. Yeah, because they're trying to throw off BYU. They got people listed exactly. at positions they don't even play. You know, like exactly. Walcott's at every cornerback backup on the whole thing. I'm like, wait, Al Walcott's a <laughs> I thought he played safety. I mean, I'm like, what is? Why is well, he, he listed? As... <laughs> well, I mean, he, he can play corner. I mean, he was. I playing, know some play, some play, some playing some corner in JUCO ball, but you know, when you've got versatility like they've got with some of those guys, um, it just makes your. I mean, that's the way it is, Matt. You've seen it even at the professional level too with the Cowboys and just watching the NFL. The more flexibility you have with players and playing different positions. And if they're pretty solid at it, you know, not jack of all trades, master of none, but, you know, having the flexibility to be pretty solid in different positions, it just makes your defense that much more difficult to try and game plan for. All right. Talking to Kevin Longquist, Rivals.com. You break all these things down. I like it when you start those things with your publisher noticed. I I like that. I mean, I've always (laughs) thought you should be a publisher, and you pretty much are the publisher of that uh, that site. And, uh it's sick like of it or sports. not. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. But uh, the quarterback, I mean, I, yeah. I, it, this, is a, this, is a, this is a very easy guy to root for, easy guy to like. Mm-hmm. You can just tell. I mean, there's just something about him, the way he carries himself. He's a, It's like he's a confident guy, but he also is an extremely humble guy at the same time. That's hard to mm-hmm. find. That's that's kind of a hard to find something to find in a quarterback, and I, I think Baylor kind of realized in this game, hey, we're going to have to. I mean, right from the start, let's let let's let Gary get out there and do some stuff, and when mm-hmm. he steps into one of those things and cuts it loose, it's 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 a pretty thing to watch. The deep ball. I I'm going to go ahead and say I don't want to make anybody mad, but I already have him down as he when he's on. He throws a better deep ball than Charlie. Is that is that? Am I going too far there? No, no, I, no, you're not. Um, okay. Because I mean that was one, that was one of the biggest criticisms of Charlie was the fact that Charlie's deep ball was too erratic, and uh, he, you know, he one time it would look good, and then the next time it not so much. But I mean, in Gary's case, uh, that's been a pre- pretty consistent ball for him. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit, Matt, I, I was probably one of the most hesitant, probably one of the toughest critics of Gary. Uh, shortly after he was named the starter going into Texas State because I really wanted to see if he could not only manage a game, but if they could put a game plan on his shoulders to deliver. And, you know, the, the, the game against Oklahoma State was one where everything collapsed. I know that everyone had, you know, everyone uh, took ownership in the way the whole thing went upside down up there in Stillwater. But I think the way that they responded uh, against West Virginia and how they kind of basically put the game plan on Garrison to go out there and win this for us. I think that was the first time that they really did that in any of their first six games this year was to let Gary win a football game for, for Baylor, and he did that. And, you know, whether or not it was the slant to Tyquan Thornton where a couple of 
West Virginia uh, safeties got caught flat-footed and Tyquan ran away, or whether it was the 44-yard pass later that got the other that set up the second touchdown. I, I think those were things that Gary just did so that he just took the initiative on. That whole game plan for him was perfect because there were enough rushing attempts for him so that he wasn't asked to be a, a runner in that game. And that had probably had something to do with what West Virginia's fronts were showing him. But at the same time, it was a case of, okay, people have been loading up the box against us all year. I've got to deliver something. And they, they finally trusted him to do this, and, that, and he delivered. And, of course, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what BYU does. Does BYU want to stack it, or do they want to play a, a little bit more basic, you know, 4-3 front against him or something along the lines and just have a standard drop back? Will they go nickel or will they go dime in certain situations? Boy, I love when you go nickel and dime. I like it when you get kind of – in fact, I, I, I want to see more of your film work. I'd like to kind of get you <laughs> on the board and have you kind of walk me through some of that. Right, real quick, because I always love kind of leaning on you for recruiting news. That kid uh, uh, committed to Georgia Tech that had committed to Baylor, and, and he was uh, – yeah, Zach Pyron. Right. Yeah, Zach Pyron. He, you know, he, he seemed like he was real excited to come to Baylor, and he was trying to help recruit yeah. other guys to his class – and then whatever reason, maybe because of the Baylor, I mean, I, some of the stuff that with the uh, Big 12, whatever, that's fine. I I'm, don't I'm hold any uh, hard feelings towards Zach. But tell me, it's hard when you lose your frontline guy from a certain yeah. class, and that's that 2022 class, I guess it would be. Um, right. Anybody, is there anybody that could step in there, anybody there, looking at or they've kind of gotten into late in the game here that's still a, still out there available? What are we seeing on that front? Well, they've only made eight offers to quarterbacks, Matt, on their board right now for 2022, okay? And seven of those, well, all of them, excuse me, all eight of those are now committed to other programs. And the only one that wasn't at the time was Pirate. So, you know, I, I look at their 2022 quarterback situation like this. Look at their depth chart right now because you have Bohannon and then you have Blake Shapin and then you have Kyron Drones as your third one there. I mean, you have, you know, the Rogers kid from Argyle who was the who was the preferred walk-on. He had a great career at Argyle, by the way. You know, and if you wanted to put a scholarship on him, maybe you could think about that. Um, I don't see that for now, but, I mean, that's something that they could consider. My, my thinking, though, here is that if they really want to go quarterback for the 2022 signing class whether that's going to be in december or if that's going to be the late signing period in february i think it's going to be one of three sources it's going to be either a quarterback who really just blows it out here late that they get in for an official visit in december uh, that they've kind of locked into uh, from the high school ranks maybe that maybe there's a juco kid that they look at that that's been blowing it up or maybe they go to the portal and they see if a quarterback could became disgruntled with his situation because as we've talked about before, the quarterback position is the most transient of any of the positions in football at any level. Uh, I think that's probably their, their three alleys and or their three options in which they want to go or they could go. For this. And I think that's still up in the air. I mean, we're only halfway through the high school football season right now and halfway through the college season. And I, I just, you know, they're, they're kind of caught, if you will. I don't want to say without a chair and the music stops, but I think they just need to kind of evaluate what they want to do because, Sometimes when you look at those late blooming quarterbacks who have big senior years, but they weren't all that, or all that as juniors, you really want to know: Do we have enough tape on him? Do we have enough evaluation on him? Have we talked to enough people on him during the course of our own season to really get a feel for this kid? Now, they're going to have a buy after BYU, so they can get out on the road and start looking at kids and start talking to coaches. 
So that could be a part where they could start really making some hard evaluations. Perhaps an offer follows after that, perhaps not. But maybe, but maybe you get to the point where when Texas comes in on, on October 30th, maybe you get a couple of quarterbacks, 2022s, that you at least come in to, uh, come to visit during that game to have a look at your program and go from there. All right. Well, I mean, maybe I'll have to step in. This Lake Highlands kid, uh, I like Caden Dotson. He's getting all kinds of, you know, FCS offers. He's got a howitzer left-hander. Will you look at him for me? Just take a peek. I will uh, do that. Yeah, yeah, take a peek. I don't know. I don't know. Y'all probably don't even have him rated yet because he had to back up another kid <laughs> yeah. for several years. But, my goodness. I mean, he right. flat out. They, their numbers just aren't. I mean, Lake Highlands is good, but their numbers mm-hmm. are down uh, this year. So, we've got two-way players. It's 6A, which is kind of rare for 6A, I guess. Does does yeah. uh, does uh, uh, Alito have any two-way players? Oh yeah, they got several. Um, they got really? a linebacker, linebacker, but yeah, a sophomore kid by the name of Devon Keys. He's really he's he's pro- he's one of the hardest hitters I've ever. And I've been doing Alito radio for 16 years, Matt, and he's probably one of the hardest hitters I've ever seen um, come through that program. And they've had some really physical players to come through there. Uh, so they got him. Uh, and then they can go uh, B.J. Allen, who, the uh, safety who's committed to Texas. He can play a little bit on offense if they need him to. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, your boy Haasini, I mean, they have never asked Haas to play the defense, but I think he could if they needed him, like, you know, if they wanted to go dime yeah. package for any particular reason. They just haven't really, you know, the way their district is set up in that over there for Alito, they really haven't had to, you know, really dip into the depth chart too, too much at, uh, to do this. By the way, Alito, for anyone who wants to know, that might be all four of us, but Alito's going for its 100th consecutive district win Friday against Mansfield Timberview. That's a streak that goes back to 2007. Yeah, maybe maybe get in a more competitive district at some point. It, We're I mean, at the I, mercy of the UIL for that. So. Well, I know. I know. I'm going to look into it. I'm also, uh, I'm also into redistricting. <laughs> that sounds like a political thing. I'm not trying to gerrymander. You don't want to gerrymander or anything, dude. <laughs> All right, man. I I just I, I wanted to keep you on to see if I could get you to say dime package one more time. I've never heard you say dime package so much in one conversation. I just did it for you, Matt. Just for you. <laughs> I love I love a dime package. I wish I could pull you off a Lido because I've been angling to get involved in some Mart Radio or maybe even some West. West is going to go on a good playoff run here. I've been yep. trying to jump on those bandwagons, and uh, I'd love to get you down to Central Texas with me calling some of these games. I wanted Crawford, but my buddy Fonville uh, and, uh, and, and, and Tom Nesbitt took that one. So I'm having a little trouble getting on, getting a, you know, kind of getting in there. But I love these schools. These Central Texas yeah. schools were awesome. All right, really jump up program. on it. Yeah, get on the treadmill and, and do your thing, okay? All right, Matt. Always good to visit with you. Yeah, well, yeah, good to visit with you too, Kevin. There he goes, Kevin Longquist. Long.